Hi, and welcome to NARC, Narcissistic Abuse Recovery Collaborators. Um, visit me at NARC Troopers, where you will find a lot of my material. I create new content every week, and all of it is designed to help you recover from narcissistic abuse. Today's topic is called The Problem with Memory. After narcissistic trauma, memory is key to recovery, and it is something that is profoundly affected by the narcissistic experience. After the disengagement, after the discard or the escape from a partner who suffers from narcissistic personality disorder, there's often a feeling of um, confusion, loss, and grief that seems never-ending. In a typical breakup with a regular run-of-the-mill jerk who does not have NPD, the period of grief usually lasts about 12 to 18 months post-engagement, disengagement, depending on how long you were together. Other estimates theorize that it takes about three months for every year that you were together. All people agree that there is a finite end that will come at some point. I think that that's the common consensus. You will reach a point where it's over and you're free and it's done. But recovery from an enmeshment with a person who has NPD is a completely different experience. It's not the same as the breakup from a regular neurotypical person. So it is asserted that about 10 to 15% of all people coming out of these brain bending pairings with cluster B disordered people suffer from what is called prolonged grief disorder, PGD. These people cannot recover from symptoms of trauma, including depression, despair, insomnia, recursive and intrusive thoughts, inability to stay no contact, dysregulated brain chemicals, neurobiological disorders, dissociation, and cognitive dissonance, to mention a few. There are a number of things that make a relationship with a narcissist and others in that same category of disorders that makes them unique and it makes it a challenging experience. So let's focus of the role of memory in these relationships because I think I've established that they are profoundly different. Not only the relationship, but the recovery is profoundly different. And I think that that's why it's very difficult to find someone after it's over to find someone or a group of people who truly understand, speak the language of narcissism and fully, fully uh, comprehend what that means. It's hard to find people who get it and everybody else probably thinks you're crazy. They don't understand. They don't understand why you can't just snap out of it and get over it. And they're actually sort of disgusted 
with the whole things, the things you try to talk about, the, the way you seem to be stuck. Um, they just don't have the patience for it. It sounds absolutely crazy to them. So the narcissist does not have the ability to be grounded in reality with accurate memory. Thus, there are no true um, identity markers or core self, core identity, because without memory, there is no identity. He or she is a blame-shifting history revisionist who alters the past to fit the narrative that they choose, and then they tell, uh, they tell them, the people that they meet, that they are a victim. And, you know, they always come off as the good guy, right? That they, and, and it's not like they're lying. They actually believe their own delusional fantasy version of the narrative that happened. And then many times it in no way resembles the truth. It's shocking what a departure from the truth that these people can take and they believe it. They're not lying. They're not being evil and manipulative. They actually believe their own version of things that is false, completely false. And it's shocking to what extent that they are delusional and to what extent they have schizoid features in this disorder. And um, even more, even more than that. Um, so they, they don't live in reality. They don't have memory. You know, I heard Sam Vaknin speaking about this this week. Uh, I listen to him every day. Um, and he said that narcissists, they don't remember anything. They, maybe 5%, they forget everything you remember so painfully trying to, you're trying to get it out of your head. You're trying to binge and purge, you know, on the memories and it's not working. They're stuck in there with super glue and, and it's like they, they don't seem to fade, but for the narcissist, they don't, rem they, they don't remember you. Uh, the, 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 um, manifestation of the disease itself it's, it's a brain disease. It's a trauma response. It's a lot of things narcissism is. And, and people who have that, their illness does not allow them to remember you. They have to hate you. They have to hate you because that's the only way they can convince themselves that they had a good reason to abandon ship. Right? And they will tell everybody and they will believe it. They will believe that, that, that their contempt for you and their hatred for you is justified and real because you did all of these things that were bad. They really believe that. And that's why they are history revisionists that rewrite history so that it's so altered and, and twisted and convoluted. It's a complete fabrication. It's a complete confabulation. It's a complete lie. So 
if they don't okay so if they don't have memory um they alter the past and just make up stuff to fill in all the blanks that they have forgotten they just make up stuff and they alter the narrative so that they're the victim and they're the good guy that means they're never accountable they're never culpable they never take ownership of any of the choices or consequences for any of the ways that they hurt people for anything in their whole life they will never take full responsibility for it and be accountable human beings for their actions they um, erase anything that would threaten their image including what really happened and the people they committed these transgressions against but what of their partner what about us the people who loved them what does memory or the lack thereof mean in the recovery process for us as we step out of this shared fantasy that you have been living in for the duration of your relationship with this narcissist what about our memory the first question is how does one become enmeshed in this mutual psychosis or shared delusion in the first place what about it causes shattering soul-crushing hijacking of the brain and the identity to begin it is a dissociative trance like hypnotic state that can include depersonalization and derealization we'll talk more about those later but depersonalization has to do with being disconnected from your identity your core self and you you don't see yourself accurately you have some impaired vision when you try to be introspective what you see is not real and then um that's depersonalization a loss of self and derealization means it's almost like a cognitive dissonance disconnect and departure from the truth and from what is real you know it's almost like um, a paralysis of the mind and it prevents you from um, from escaping the abuse and objectification is standard maltreatment in all this process too the narcissist doesn't see you as a human they see you as an object to be used to serve them and when you're not new and shiny anymore they replace you with the newer one a newer 2.0 version so in all of this your your um your ability to protect yourself is disabled and uh, something called in training begins in training um, you know when you look that up and I, I, I try to research everything that I talk to you about um, on Google Scholar <laughs> and on other sites so that I'm reading real studies and books and articles about these things and when I looked up enmeshment it was it was something else that's not necessarily connected to narcissistic abuse 
I would invite you to spend some time reading about that. Uh, the entraining is what I'm talking about. Um, the entraining that causes the enmeshment. Uh, entraining is, it has some other definitions, but in this context, we're talking about um, how it's used to uh, hijack your brain. In neuroscience, it shows that external input can restructure your brain. It consists of conditioning. This is what entrainment is. Entrainment consists of conditioning, sort of a cult-like brainwashing that syncs up their partner's brain with theirs so that you have a symbiotic one-mind phenomena thing going on, a single-mind uh, symbiosis going on. For the predator, the predator narcissist, it comes to him or her naturally. It's just hardwired in there from a very early age. It's not like they're just plotting things and purposefully being difficult. Many narcissists are not aware of the conditioning that seems to be something like a, a survival skill that they have acquired. Um, it's built in and uh, they possess this this quality, um, it helps them to capture and feed. They are predators. They have to have prey. And this um, entraining, this brainwashing, manipulation that they do of your mind is a hijacking and so that you have no power. They take away your, your uh, power and they render you helpless and addicted to them. Um, and then they can get away with murder, literally, sometimes. Um, but I don't think that they're acutely aware. Maybe some are. But by far, the vast majority are not aware of what they are or even what they're doing. Um, so it seems like a survival skill for them that's just built in so that they can survive. Uh, it helps them and to just navigate through life in a way that they couldn't if they didn't have it. So, uh, what do I want to tell you about this? Yes, you know, you when this happens to you, this enmeshment caused by the entrainment, this symbiotic brain snatching, um, you know, you you no longer have agency over your own mind and you become compliant, you are at their disposal. And the predator, abuser, will seek to transfer regulatory functions to himself. He absorbs you like, um, like a sponge. He just soaks up your identity, your essence, your character traits, your energy, um, your spirit and soul, and your mind in your body. It is a complete, full-on assault that assaults every single part of you that makes you who you are. Every part. No part is left untouched. They take it all. They, they have a scorched earth policy. They consume it all. 
you know, think about the predators who, um, who disable their victims so that the victims can escape to safety. Um, it works like that, right? They inject them with poison or they tear out their throats or they bite them on the head or something to not kill them necessarily, but like an alligator taking their prey, they roll with it. They roll and roll and take that prey down under the water and drown it. And then they hide it. And then they can come back and eat on it for a midnight snack later. But they don't gobble you up usually, usually not right away. I mean, it's a tactic of predators and that's what's happening here. Think of a, here's another example. Think of a computer uh, system that has firewalls that have been breached, that have been disabled by some malware that has been installed in your programming so that they can gain control of all your systems. Yeah, you've been hacked. You, there's a virus in your, in your uh, operating systems and it's a deadly one. Uh, think about, let's think of another example. Uh, it's like, I love, <laughs> I love analogies. I really do. I don't know if you've noticed that. Um, think about the snake that hypnotizes Mowgli in the jungle book before uh, eating him or trying to eat him. Uh, you know, where he says like, look at me or whatever that little song where he's dangling from the tree. Yeah. That's the narcissist. That's the predatory um, uh, part there. So um, you have been breached, violated, hijacked, captured by this predator, and you will be consumed. Body, brain, spirit, soul, all of it devoured, absorbed, consumed. So grooming, idealization, love bombing, that's all the same thing. Grooming, idealization, ideation, uh, love bombing equals a shared fantasy, which is a mutual psychosis, um, that you share with that narcissist, which equals enmeshment. That is that's the symbiosis. All boundaries are blurred and, and annihilated so that there's, you have no defense. You have no defense. And the enmeshment is caused by the entraining technique of brainwashing you, sort of disabling you. And then comes the devaluation where they start looking for your replacement and you can't do anything right. And the little sparkly has gone off of the relationship. And then of course the discard is the final stage. Post discard. What is left of us, this husk, this shell, this depleted clone of the narcissist, um, what do we do with that? What do you do with that? You've been ravaged. You've been raped in every way possible. Um, you know, well, we must try to make sense of what just happened to us. Sometimes it takes a while, especially if there's no one around you explaining it to you, what has happened to you, um, what was real and what wasn't, you know, it's like being in a coma and then suddenly waking up after years of being gone. You have no memory of it. You know, it would be incredibly disoriented and, and confusing and 
surrealistic and frightening to think about the, this disruption of memory. Because when you look back, um, they, from the minute that they walk out that door, you are, you cease to exist. Any history they have with you doesn't exist. They don't remember how you smelled, what you said, where you went, meals you ate, how you slept together at night, spooning each other. They don't remember your bedtime rituals of brushing and flossing. They don't remember things that you wore, gifts that you gave. They don't remember hardly anything about you. You're just a faint, who was that? You know, it's like, do you remember all the cell phones you've ever had? Do you remember every toaster or blender that you ever owned? No, you use it. This appliance, you use it until it breaks, until, you know, it's worn out. And then you just toss it into the trash and get a new one. And you have no guilt. You have no, you don't miss that old toaster. You're just tickled to death to get a new shiny model. You don't care about the old one that you threw away. You don't ever think about it fondly, you know, when you're alone. It's just an appliance that is no good anymore. And so you replace it and there you go. So narcissists, they just can't remember you. They erase you. And what is worse than that for the victim, for the people that have, have fallen prey to this? What could be worse than to be erased as if you never existed and that all of those months and years and maybe decades with that person, it's like they never happened. They didn't, it, it negates your existence. It's, it's a nihilistic existential crisis of they make it as if you never existed they murder you. They murder you. And, and then once you're murdered, it's like you were, you never lived. You never existed. You were never born. You never breathed life. You never had feelings and dreams or visions or nothing. You never existed. That's how it is. And if you never existed, that means they don't remember you. They, they can't remember. It's just gone that it's, it's their NPD that makes that happen. It's not them, their disease, their illness. They are diseased, sick people. And when they forget you like that and erase you like that, normal people don't do that. You know, normal people don't do that. You have a history, you let it go to the past, you move on, you set it down, but you do remember it. And that was a real person that you loved for a time. And that's different. It's just so different. Um, I recently took inventory of my memories as a technique to help me reconstruct a functioning identity that has been very fragmented for the whole past, well, for my whole life, it's been fragmented lots of holes in it, like Swiss cheese. 
Um, and that came from many years of um, trauma and abuse as a child. You know, everybody says they have that these days. Like, everybody's been abused. Everybody's had trauma. Well, some people have had a lot more of it, more profound and significant abuse and trauma than others. So uh, you got to be careful with that one, guys. You know, you do. Um, so all that time, I had dependency disorder, unhealthy attachment styles, uh, abandonment issues, just all of it, you know. Um, and I attempted to reconstruct my memory with this little exercise that I did beginning when I met the narcissist back in 2003. Uh, this was my husband that I was married to for 15 years. After charting, charting, journaling, uh, writing down those, those 15 years, I realized that that the memories, the sharpest ones, I was surprised to see that they all centered around uh, my disordered and dysregulated partner. Whereas memories of anything else that predated the marriage, they still existed and they consisted of many things, things involving my children, my career, uh, my pets, my hobbies, my life. But after I met him in 2003, there were no other memories of anything. It's like all of that ceased to exist. And I had some myopic single vision blinders on. And all I could see was him. Whew. The majority of the memories involved him in some capacity. Some good, some, some bad. But everything just faded. Everything else seemed to fade into the distance. What happened at my job during that time? Where were my kids? Uh, I had one that was a teenager, one that was in that had, was in his first couple of years of college, another one a little bit older. What, what was going on with them? Sure, I remember big hallmark events, but not but very little more than that. It's like I was um, whole parts of my life missing. Like I was in a coma. And therein lies the tragedy. Because you know what? This is time lost that can never be regained. People lost who just slipped away. But you didn't even notice. Oh my gosh. I can't tell you how horrible that is. To lose people that you care about because of the narcissist. And at the time, yeah, it hurts. You see it happening and you cry and, you, and all that. But you have no power to do anything about it. You can't leave. You can't. You can't. You can't. And by the time you come back to life, it's too late. You've already lost everything. In addition to other ways that childhood trauma can have an effect on your life, trauma can also cause this memory loss for both the narcissist and the, the person that, that was the, on the receiving end also has problems with memory. Many of the people who are unable to leave this person with NPD have these issues, these memory issues they're trying to figure out. And it just, it's part of the cycle and none of it makes sense. 
It, it just doesn't. And what are the symptoms of these repressed traumatic memories? Well, there's a lot of them. It could be uh, sleep issues, insomnia, fatigue, nightmares, feelings of doom and despair and hopelessness. It could be low self-esteem and self-doubt. could be shame, insecurity, mood symptoms, um, dysregulation such as anger and anxiety and panic attacks and depression, confusion uh, or problems with concentration, um, sleep disturbances, busy mind syndrome, intrusive thoughts, ruminations, cognitive dissonance, brain fog, confusion. You get the picture, right? It's so many things. So what, what do you do about this? this memory issue? Well, there's a couple of ideas. Um, you can journal, do free writing, sensory writing, share your memories on paper, do somatic body work to try to retrieve the trauma and get it out of your body. Guided, um, guided ketamine therapy or MDMA therapy is another one. You could visit the scene of the crime interview the witnesses and ask them what happened be a detective you know number four meditation trance guided therapies um all of all of this kind of thing um you could participate in a mutual support group therapy group artistic endeavor mindfulness talk therapy dbt cbt cognitive behavioral therapy all those kinds of things, transactional analysis, gestalt therapy, art and creative stuff is also important, uh, as is kinesthetic, um, kinesthetic, uh, tactile manipulations of things, touching things, seeing things, naming things, stamping things. Um, you know, regardless of the cause of your memory, corruption and loss, um, it is important to restore it as part of your healing. In fact, I'm convinced that this memory piece of the puzzle, this memory retrieval and rebooting is a very critical, integral, integral part of healing the trauma and, and the abuse. One primary reason the narcissist can never heal lies in their inability to remember the past with any kind of fidelity. They twist it and reinvent it and stretch it and, and, and shape it to fit their narrative. And in the process, it becomes another fantasy. It becomes a fantastical delusion fueled by magical thinking, all hallmark qualities of narcissistic personality disorder. I think more, more research needs to be done about the role of memory in recovery. But in the meantime, should all, um, I think we should all cultivate a way to keep our memories alive and rooted in truth. Time has a way of, of uh, causing the past to fade to just fade away slowly, memories weaken and become out of reach sometimes. And 
if we're not careful, we um, could lose them. I think we should record the events in our lives that we want to remember with something more than a few photos or some social media posts. Recording the truth of the moment, the context, the sensory reactions, the, the details that will capture um, a permanent snapshot of, you know, all these things are valuable that you could try to do to keep record so that you don't lose pieces that you need to lose when you're with them. Um, and because that's important, right? It's, it's very, very important. Um, and why is it so important? Um, so how can I tell you this? Um, our, uh, our memory who, okay. Our past, how about this? Our past helps shape who we are and it's critical because to have a healthy identity, we have to be able to construct and reconstruct this through with, through these lens of the past, through the lens of our memories. And if we don't have that, we cannot be healthy. We cannot recover and um, we can't have any identity as a human being, which if that happens, it's almost like the narcissist has turned you into a narcissist. I've read about that. People say that that happens and that's terrifying, but you can't let that happen because you've got to grab that identity and hang on to it for dear life. At least you know what it is and you know how to construct it. They do not know the how and they can't, but you can, um, you know, and I, you can have an identity that is capable of love and sacrifice and empathy, forgiveness, mercy, all those things they can't have. It is through these things that we are human and being human allows us to experience life in ways that the person with NPD is never ever going to be able to understand. That's my message today, folks. Um, I think that today's uh, message went 35 minutes. Um, I want to remind you to subscribe to my podcast channel um, and follow me and subscribe so that you can get my new weekly content um, as as a podcast coming straight to you. Um, I do new content every week. I also have um, a compilation of, it's like a collection of a whole, like many pages. I think it's like, oh, 350, 400 pages of, of articles that I've written on these topics. And uh, it's called After the Narcopath. The Kindle version's out now. I got a, a first copy of the paperback and the font was too small. The print was too small. So thank goodness I didn't have a whole lot of those go out before I caught that. And I'm in the process of editing it. The paperback will be back up soon. As soon as I get time to finish the editing and get 
the print big enough for you to read it without a magnifying glass. But it's out there, and um, that way you can have all the collection of my writing uh, together. It's a good gift for people who are suffering through something like this and they don't know what's happening. It's a good gift for friends and family of yours who don't understand and you want them to have a deeper understanding of what you're experiencing. Uh, give them the book. Give them the Kindle. Get them the Kindle version and have them do that. Uh, Kindle version is in color. It has pictures. So I had a little bit of trouble with the spacing on that too. Um, I have a I have a publisher and I have written books with that publisher, but I didn't want to use her because I wanted to drive my price down to make it more accessible to everyone. So I self-published and that means there's probably a few typos. There's probably a few misspelled words and the, the uh, formatting of the actual text is a little weird. I'm going to get better. I promise the content is amazing. It's going to help you. I promise try to overlook uh, you know, it's like with people. Try not to get too hung up on how, how they look. Look at whether they have substance. And, and that's what my book has. It may look a little spotty here and there visually, but the contents are spot on and are going to help you play on words there. Spotty, spot on. <laughs> oh, okay, I'm silly. All right, I'm going to let you go. Thank you for being here. Uh, please come back again and spend more time trying to figure out all this stuff so we can get back on track with our lives. Thank you guys. Much love. Bye-bye.